You are listening to audio provided by FBC Farwell. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out fbcfarwell.org. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 7. This morning I'm starting a series uh, called Anchored. Anchored. This morning, the title of the message, we're going to start out this series by this with this title, Anchored in Jesus. Anchored in Jesus. I can't think of a more important time for us as Christians in our lifetime for us to be anchored, to reset the anchor in Jesus Christ than there is right now. We have no idea. We've never known what was going to happen uh, a month from now, a year from now, a week from now. But we definitely don't know now, do we? We need more than at any other time in our lifetime to be anchored in the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, anchored in the real Jesus. I'm going to give you, I'm going to share four points this morning, and they are four counterfeit saviors. I'm going to give them to you up front. There are many, many others, hundreds, you know, just like with any counterfeit, there's not just a set number of counterfeits. There's always new counterfeits coming along the way. This morning, I want to share with you just four that I think are maybe the most common uh, for in our day and maybe even specifically in our area. The number one counterfeit that I'm going to share with you this morning is the no offense Savior. That is a counterfeit Jesus, a no offense Savior. The second counterfeit counterfeit Savior is this, the Spirit trumps the word Jesus. The Spirit trumps the word Jesus. Now, of course, I will uh, unpack these more in a moment. The third is this, the doctrine doesn't matter Jesus. Oh, that's a... That's a dangerous, dangerous counterfeit. Savior, the doctrine doesn't matter, Jesus. And the I don't care how you act, Jesus. We're going to get into all of those here in just a moment. But let's get into the text this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Listen to what the Word of God says. Now the grace was given. Praise God for that, that God has given us His grace. Now, now grace was given to each one of us believers, those who call themselves children of God, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, for it says, when He ascended on high, He took the captives captive, He gave gifts to people. But what does He ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10, the one, the one being Jesus, the one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. Verse 11, really where we're going to get into the, the core of our text this morning. And he himself, this is Jesus Christ, he himself gave... Some to be apostles, some prophets, the third gift, some evangelists, the fourth, some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints for the work 
of ministry. That's one of the purposes of these gifts. The second purpose is to build up the body of Christ. Until when? Well, verse 13 answers that. Verse 13, there's a, there's a, a time stamp. Verse 13, it says until. So these gifts are given until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with stature measured by Christ's fullness. Real quick, let's pause from the text real quick for a second. Let me ask you the question. Have we reached that moment yet? Not even close, right? Look at it again. Until we all reach unity. Not even close. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with stature measured by Christ's fullness. Look at verse 14. Then, when that happens, so these gifts are given by Jesus Christ to the church to build up the church in unity. And then, when that happens, then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning with the cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Oh, listen, look look at the danger that we are in, brothers and sisters in Christ. We must be prepared. We must anchor ourselves in Jesus Christ. And we must be reminded of this from time to time because it is so easy for us to be blown by the winds, by the the cunning and the craftiness of man's man's speech. Verse 15, but here's a, here's a, a conjunction. Here's a, a contrast, if you will. But speaking the truth in love. Now, since, since we haven't reached that point yet, since we haven't experienced what, what these gifts are, have been given to us to experience in, in, their, in their completeness, then verse 15 takes an effect. But speaking the truth in love, let us, brothers and sisters in Christ, here's, here's our command. You ready? Let us grow in every way unto him who is the head, which is Christ. That's our command. Let us, until, until these, the, the gifts have been given, until the results of the, of the gifts have been given have come into their, into their full fruition, then what are we to be doing? We are to be anchored in Jesus Christ and constantly being reminded that we are so prone, we are so easily blown by the winds, being tossed by the waves, if we're not cautious, if we are not intentionally and purposefully being aware, being, being cautioned to be anchored in Jesus, listen, we can in, in a split moment, one message, one book, one little phrase can blow us off course. And so this morning, over the next several weeks, I can't tell you how my heart is beating to teach and to remind uh, the church for us, for me personally, that we need to be anchored in Jesus like no other time before. According to Inc.com, counterfeit goods, software privacy, and the stealing of intellectual property cost the American economy. Counterfeit goods, listen, cost 
the American economy $600 billion a year. Wow. Counterfeit, counterfeit goods. We, we've seen, I, I remember several years, it was our 25th anniversary, I believe, Kim and I went to New York City. And, and uh, she, of all the things Kim wanted to see, she wanted to see Chinatown. Like, I want to go to Chinatown. Kim loves to get a good deal. You know, like, I want to I I get a, a good, she loves to get a good deal. So we went to Chinatown uh, against everything inside of my guts. And should we really be here? So we were there, we were in Chinatown. And, uh, and we were looking at all kinds of things and, and you know, wanted to get a, a really good, Chinatown, is like the mecca of counterfeit goods, right? Like everything there, you can just pretty much bet it's going to be, it's going to be counterfeit. And so we were there and, and there were some glasses, some very expensive name brand glasses that looked real, but, and they were telling us they were real, but, but we knew they weren't real because they were five bucks. <laughs> but listen, here's my wife, I love her to death. She's frugal. That's the word, frugal. She said, I'll give you 250 <laughs> And she walked away because they wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. Five bucks. It was so fun. Like, but, but that's counterfeit. It's all over the place. Counterfeit goods costing the American economy. Listen, can I tell you a more dangerous, a more costly thing than a counterfeit product is a counterfeit faith. That someone could live their entire life believing in something that is not real. And they get to heaven and they, and they stand before God and they, and they say, Oh God, this is, what, this is what I believe. This is what I chose to believe. Even though scripture taught, it, uh, taught something completely different, this is what I chose to believe. This is what I believed in. It's a counterfeit faith. According to Billy Graham, George Barna, Lifeway Research, many... If not more than half of the people sitting in the pews in American churches today claim to be Christians, yet they aren't. They've bought into a counterfeit faith. And it's dangerous. For one reason or another, they have believed a counterfeit God. Little g God. Oh, hear me, if there was ever a time... In our history to be anchored in the solid foundation, it is now. And there is no more of a solid foundation than Jesus Christ. We need to be ready for Jesus' return. Here's, here's what I've been uh, really burdened over. I'm ready. If Jesus was to come back before the end of this message, I'm ready for that. I, I'm ready. If he was to come back at this very second, I'm, I'm ready for him to come back. But am I prepared if Jesus chooses to wait the rest of my lifetime? Think about that, that for a moment. I'm ready right now. But what if he chooses to wait another 50 years, 60 years? Am I, am I ready for that? Am I prepared as a Christian to live whatever this world throws at, whatever fire, whatever storms come at me? Am I prepared for that? Are you prepared for that? We, we talk a lot and we should prepare for eternity, for, for, for Jesus to come back at any moment. I, but are we prepared if Jesus lingers? And he lingers... Because he is a graceful God. There are millions who aren't ready. 
And thank God, he lingered when I was 10 years old. And he waited until I had an opportunity to give my life to Jesus Christ. But am I prepared if he lingers much longer? Listen, if you want to get anchored to Jesus, make sure you stay clear of the counterfeits. And there are many. But let's look at them. Let's look at just a few. Number one, the no offense Jesus. The no offense Jesus. There are many churches today who will invite you to come to their worship services where you will never have to worry about being offended. You'll hear a good message, you'll hear a good speech, but it'll, it'll be on self-help. It'll be worshiping a God who is, who is more like a moral therapist than the one true God who is Lord Almighty. There are thousands of preachers and teachers who in, will encourage you to define the truth as you see it and to apply that truth in a way that never requires you to change anything whatsoever. And these organizations, they've wiped repentance out of their vocabulary. But Jesus says this twice. In Luke chapter three, uh, 13, verses 3 and 5, Jesus says this, Repent or you will perish. We can't wipe the word repent out of our vocabulary and be a Christian. Yet hundreds and thousands of churches have done that very thing. And I used to get, let me just, I used to get so mad at God. When I would, when I would see a false teacher... Clear, just clearly a false teacher, just, just droves of people going to them and listening to them and being, and being influenced by them. Say, God, why, why do you allow such a false teacher in your name excel, have success? I began to read through church history and we've been warned over and over and over again about false teachers, about wolves in sheep's clothing. Here's what I came to realize. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. False teachers, wolves in sheep clothing. That, that they will garner crowds and crowds of people listening to them give a speech. Look at, look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. The Apostle Paul, he's ending the near, the, the, he's ending the, uh, he's, near, he's nearing the end of his life. Listen to what he says. For a time will come when people will not tolerate. They won't put up with it. They will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, not the desires of God, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Some false teachers have been around since the beginning of time. 
But there is a growing number of false teachers and a growing number of people following them. And it is literally a fulfillment of God's word happening right before our very eyes. Author and preacher Randy Alcorn says this in one of his books. He says, a moment after we die, we will know exactly how we should have lived. Oh, in a, in a split second, after we open our eyes and, and before the, the presence of God Almighty, we will know in that split second exactly how we should have lived our life. There will be no questions. When we die, we will hear one of two statements. We will hear what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, when he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. He's saying that to a group of people who, who believed that they were followers of God. Who said, we, we knew you. We, we did all these, these miracles in your name. We, we proclaimed your name and Jesus will say to them, depart from me. We, we will either hear that or we will hear what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. Clear convicting biblical messages will point out sin in our life. And, and someone will say to me from time to time, they'll say, man, man, Russ, like, like do, did my wife call you and tell you what I'm struggling with? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Have you been reading my email? Have you been listening into my prayers of God? Because what you said really, really convicted me. Here's, here's another statement that I hear often. It's like, it's like, man, that message really stepped on my toes. Let me tell you what the pastor that was my father in the faith, my mentor would say when I would tell him that. He would say, oh, it, it, it stepped on your toes. I'd say, yeah, that man that stepped on my toes. He goes, well, I missed its target. It was meant to hit your heart. Listen, God's word clearly preached will convict us. It's often convicted me from time to time. And, and when it does, we should not run from it, but we should run towards it. I have a choice. You have a choice. We can run from it, from the conviction, or we can humbly repent. We can come humbly before a loving God and repent and receive His unconditional forgiveness. But if repentance has been removed from the message, if conviction has been removed from the message, if there's no Holy Spirit conviction, then we've missed it. Listen, I'll never feel guilt of my sin on my own. Without the Holy Spirit, I'll never, forget, uh, I'll never feel the guilt. And I know that if I lack the capacity to sense any guilt, I'll never seek or experience the incredible gift of God's grace. Do you see that? Do you see what, we're, what is being robbed from us? When there's, when there's no Holy Spirit power, when there's no conviction, we are, we are missing the forgiveness of God. We're missing the very grace of God, the one thing that we need. Listen to this statement. The grace of God is more than the blessings of God. 
It's not, it's not less than that. God's, God's blessings are good for us. They, they, they are a, 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 a gift and it, God's blessings are, are his grace. But listen, it's more than that. The grace of God is oftentimes convicting us and drawing us and wooing us to himself. And when we do, we repent from that, we, we, we turn from that and we experience the very grace of God. God used the Holy Spirit-induced guilt to inspire the psalmist to write these words. I think I shared this scripture last week or the week before, Psalm 139, verse 23. Listen to what the psalmist says. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. God used the Holy Spirit-induced guilt to convict the first believers when Peter preached at Pentecost. Listen to what they said. What they said. Peter has preached this Holy Spirit-empowered message. And here's what the people said after they heard it. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When they heard this message, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? You think Peter said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes. Oh, I, man, man I, I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to call out your, your sin. No, no, I didn't. Oh, man. Did that, an apost- no, that's not what Peter. What did Peter and the apostles say? You're pierced to the heart. Great. Repent and be baptized. That was their follow-up. Been pierced to the heart. What do we do with that? We repent. And if we've never been baptized, we get baptized. Accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let me ask you this question. Do you remember the last time God's Word pierced your heart? What did you do with it? Did you get angry at God? Did you run from it? Did you turn the page quickly like, man, I don't want to deal with that? Did you go, oh, that's probably not really what it says. It's probably just, you know, that person's interpretation. That's really not what God's Word says. Here's the point. Making a habit of inviting God to search your heart, asking Him to reveal sin in your life, then repenting from that sin, not running from the conviction, but repenting from that sin, is to find yourself anchored in Jesus. Oh, listen, I pray in the days and weeks and months and the rest of our life, we would find ourselves growing in the habit of asking God, oh, search me. Reveal, God, any sin that is in my life. The first counterfeit Jesus is the no offense Jesus. The second counterfeit is the Spirit trumps the Word Jesus. The Spirit trumps the word Jesus. Have you ever heard someone say that the Holy Spirit told them to do this or to do that? God told them to do something that was contrary to Scripture. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. 
That someone has, has said to me in a conversation or has emailed me or, or through a text or a phone call conversation that, man, God has told me, the Holy Spirit has really impressed on my heart or I heard the God, God say for me to do this or to do that. And it is clearly contrary to God's word. Maybe you've been guilty of saying that. Listen, the Spirit of God and the sacred Word of God will never disagree. I've never heard God audibly speak to me. Oh, He's spoken in my heart. I've, I've felt the impression of God that is, that's been laid on my heart for me to say something, for me to do something, for me to go in a certain direction. But listen, it must be filtered through the very Word of God. And if it can't be filtered through the very Word of God and it still be true, then listen, that wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking. That was Taco Bell speaking. <laughs> listen, Spirit of God and the Word of God speak with one voice, and that is the voice of the Almighty God. They never disagree. When we believe that the Lord is leading us, and we think that we have heard His still, small voice, oh listen, it ought to drive us to Scripture and have it be confirmed with the Word of God. Listen, you cannot be filled with the Spirit and make claims contrary to the Word of God. You can't do it. They, they, it just doesn't jive. You can't, you can't make those claims. It just, I mean, you, phys, you can physically do it, but it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's 2 plus 2 equals 5. It's not, it's not truth. Yet many people claim it to be truth. Listen to this quote by, by Johnny Hunt. Listen to what he says. While the Word of God without the Spirit of God is powerless... The Spirit of God without the Word of God is directionless. Let me say it again. While the Word of God without the Spirit of God is powerless, the Spirit of God without the Word of God is directionless. Oh, listen, the Word of God is what grounds us. The Word of God is what is what keeps us on the truth. Listen, we can't, one person can't say God told me this, and another person say, well, God told me this, and they both be contrary to Scripture. Listen, word, the Word of God wins every single time. The Spirit of God, I don't care how passionate you are about how the Spirit of God talked talk to you. If the Spirit of God says something contrary to the Word of God, it is false. We must not fall for it. Here's the point. To be filled with the Spirit and to be filled with the Word is to find yourself anchored in Jesus. Listen, as a child of God, you are filled with the Spirit. Hear me, brothers and sisters in Christ. You are filled. You, God has poured out the Holy Spirit on you the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as, you, as your Lord and Savior. May we find ourselves filled with the Word of God, constantly being going, going back to it, constantly letting our minds be transformed by the very Word of God. First counterfeit, Jesus is the no offense. Savior. Second counterfeit is the Trump, or the Spirit trumps the word Jesus. The third is the doctrine doesn't matter Jesus. The doctrine doesn't matter Jesus. There are many Christians today who have very little commitment 
to Bible doctrine. And they will say, well, we'll leave that up to the preacher. We'll leave that up to the deacons. We'll leave that up to the professors at the seminary. No, listen, that is not ours to give up. As a Christian, it's not ours to, to put on to somebody else. There are many Christians today who just, they just don't have room for it in their, in their thinking. They don't have room for, for biblical doctrine in their, in their study. They just don't want to deal with it. And, and listen, here's some of the signs that this is true. The rise of the non-denominational church is a sure sign this is true. Now, I'm not talking about a church that just doesn't have a denominational sign, name on their sign. I'm talking about the true non-denominational church that just says, man, everything goes. We, we, whatever you, however you choose to read that, that is completely fine with how you choose to read it. The true non-denominational church is a true sign that there are Christians today who don't care anything at all about doctrine. Here's another sign this is true. The rise of the Lone Ranger Christian is a true sign this is true. Listen, there is no example in Scripture, not one of a Christian who is not connected to a body of believers. Not one. Yet there is an increasing rise of Christians who say, I don't need the organized church. I don't need organized religion. I am who I am, and God loves me just like I am, and I'm just going to do this thing solo. There's no example of that in the Bible, and there is a, a scary, rapid rise of that today in our culture. The third sign that doctrine has little room in many Christians' life is this. The rise of what I would call the church floater. It's a sure sign that this is true. The church floater is one who says, man, I've, I, I'm really not connected to any one church. I'm connected to a lot of churches. I, I let my kids go to this church, and I, I go to this church for this Bible study, and I like this church because this is their worship, and I like this one, and it's just a church floater, not connected anywhere, not saying any place is home. It's just a, it's just a floating Christian. Listen, a Christian or a church that doesn't have a clear, articulate doctrine to guide them is a sailboat with no rudder. Let me say that again. A Christian or a church that doesn't have a doctrine to guide them is a sailboat with no rudder. I was born in a Baptist church. I've been a Baptist all of my life. If you cut me, I think like... John 3.16 would come out of the NIV Bible, like out of my blood, like just Baptist would come out. But that's not why I'm Baptist. My parents were Baptist, my grandparents were Baptist, but it's not why I'm Baptist. I'm Baptist because Baptists believe that this is the holy word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, you would be surprised of how many people, how many denominations that do not believe that. I believe from Genesis to Revelation that it is the inspired word of God. That means that, that God breathed this word into the men who wrote this word. 
And that this word from Genesis to Revelation is without any error. And when the miracles say that that Jesus caused a flood, a flood happened. Or when God caused a flood, a flood happened. When the Bible says that, that, that a whale or a big fish swallowed up a man and he lived in his belly for three days, as hard as that is to believe, I believe it because God's word is true. When the Bible says that Jesus was crucified and went into a grave and rose three days later, I believe it. Because the Bible says it is true. That's why I'm bad. Listen, I will, take the bab- I will take the baggage of a denomination that has a rudder for the Bible. Than a non-denominational. Rudderless church or Christian. Listen, there are many Christians today who will choose a church to attend based on what, and I want to be cautious how I say this, because this is, this could be so misunderstood. Hear my heart when I say this. There are many people who will choose a church today based, it's, it's like a consumer, like it's based on what the church offers, not, not on what the church teaches at its core. Let me say that again. There are many people today who will choose a church based on what it offers, not on what it teaches at its core. Listen, worship ministry is important. Youth and children's ministries are important. Men and women's Bible studies are important to your discipleship. But the core foundational doctrines that anchors the church is incredibly important. From the classroom who doesn't have real teeth, to the classroom that has no teeth. (laughs) Doctrine is important. Listen, a lack of concern by many Christians today causes them to drift into dangerous waters of confusion and counterfeit teaching. And it's it's not with bad intentions. It's man, I... I'm going to go to this church because I, 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 like, I, mean, I like what it offers me I, I, without ever thinking about the doctrine that is underpinning the church. Listen, Jesus loves us, but he refuses to flatter us. Jesus loves us like we are, but he refuses to leave us as we are. Listen, Jesus will tell us the truth even when the truth hurts in order to help us. So here's the point. Getting anchored in Jesus means getting anchored in sound doctrine. We must make room for it in our study. We must make room for it in our thought process. Number four, and I need to hurry. Number four. Number four is the I don't care how you act, Jesus. I don't care how you act, Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Is there a burning desire in your heart to grow in Christ-likeness? Is there a burning desire to grow in Christ-likeness? Or let me, let me ask it another way. Is there a growing desire to become a godly man, a godly woman, a godly young man or, or young girl? 
Is there a growing desire to that? Or have you resigned to the idea that, that this, things are never going to change in my life? I am who I am, and Jesus loves me just as I am, and he understands. Have we resigned to that in the church today? That, that man, I, w- I was saved at a certain age and, and now I can just continue to live my life however I want to. That, that Jesus understands, man, I've got my fire insurance. I'm, I'm better safe than sorry now that I've, I've accepted Jesus and he just doesn't require anything else of me. Listen, as we become anchored in Jesus, as we become anchored in Jesus, listen, if we're not being anchored in Jesus, is not going to happen? But as we become anchored in Jesus, the Lord is faithful to convict us of wrong and to expose our sin and oh we can't run from it we we can't say man that i have tried that i've i've tried giving that sin over to god I've, i i've confessed that before and i just keep going back to it over and over and over again no listen every time conviction happens you run to god and you will experience his grace you will experience his forgiveness and you will experience his power to overcome it Keep running to Him. Keep going to Him. Listen, we have a friend in Jesus who isn't afraid to wound our egos or awaken us to our pet sins in order for us to grow in Christ-likeness. Proverbs chapter 20, ver- 27, verse 6. I love this verse. I've used it often in counseling. But to think about this, just think about Jesus being our, our friend who, who isn't afraid to wound us. Listen to what the Word of God says. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. <clears throat> the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. You have a friend like that? That can get up in your grill that can tell you what is sometimes painful, sometimes ugly, but, but you know they have your best interests in mind. They, they know what, what's really going to help you. If you might not have a friend like that, but I'm telling you, you can have a Savior like that. Brothers and sisters, Christ, you have a Father like that who isn't afraid to wound our egos to help us grow in Christ-likeness, who isn't afraid to uncover our pet sins so that we can grow in Christ-likeness. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. Listen to this verse. Oh, listen to this wisdom. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. But you rebuke the, the wise and he will love you. A mocker, it's literally an unbeliever. How, how can you tell? Rebuke one and you will find out. You rebuke a mocker and you'll be, hate, you'll be hated. You rebuke someone who's wise and he'll appreciate it. He'll love you. That's what God's word is saying. And that's what God's word is doing when it convicts us. It's drawing us to him, not pushing us away. Listen, have you resigned to the idea that nothing is ever going to change in your life? Have you come to that? Is that what it's come to? Listen, you mean the God, this is what I started out, the God who who breathed this world into existence, the God who, who took a pile of dust and breathed into the nostrils of man and gave him life. The God who, who, who caused a flood. God who's, who holds the stars and, and the planets in their existence. 
The God who, who raised Jesus up from the dead. Are you saying that that same God is powerless to change you to be more like Him? I hope not. He is powerful. And He can shape you into His image. Listen, God's not done with you. God's not done with you. When behavior is consistently contrary to what you say you believe, then let it be a sign you are rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. When our behavior consistently is contrary to what we say we believe, then let it be a sign you're rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And may we humbly surrender to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and grow in Christ-likeness. Here's the point. As we become anchored in Jesus, the Lord is faithful to convict us. What are we going to do with the conviction? Are we going to run from it? Or are we going to run to it? And experience His forgiveness. Experience His grace. Oh, I pray that you will be anchored in Jesus. And you will be wise to, you'll be cautioned to the counterfeits that are all around us. Oh, may our eyes be open to it. And may we run to Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for worship at FBC Farwell. If you made a decision for Christ, please let us know by contacting Pastor Russ at russ at fbcfarwell.org. We would love to connect with you and walk alongside you in your faith journey. We have some great resources to send you that will help you grow in your faith. As we close, I want to say thank you for listening today. If God leads you to give to the ministry of FBC Farwell, you can text FBC Farwell to the number 77977. Thank you for your generosity.